Welcome to the HR Think Tank, our podcast that uncovers the power a trusted workforce has on team performance, culture, and morale. We gather insights from experts, business leaders, and HR professionals to help you lead your team more effectively. Here's your host, Kai No, CEO of Verify Now, a trusted provider of background screening services. It's great to be back in the studio for season two of the HR Think Tank. Today, I've got my wonderful colleague, Zara Nathwani, who's Hello. our talent business partner on the show again. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me back. No, no, you did a great job last season. So, we're like, let's get you back on. Look, today we're talking about a topic that's very prominent in the news right now. It's about the great resignation. We're seeing that across mainstream news, articles, everywhere you want to read about HR, people management, they're talking about it. Um, and if you haven't heard about it, I'll be really surprised. So today we're not focused so much on um, the reasons why some people are leaving the jobs, but instead we want to focus on retention. Yeah. I think last year uh, on our episode and the webinar that we did, we talked about staff retention being key yeah. you know, due to the shortages in the market. Yeah. So to answer that, we want to drill down into the key question, which is how do you retain your staff beyond the pay packet? Yeah, great. No, I do remember from the last podcast that we actually did, we said the great resignation was coming and we said, you know, focus on retention because that's going to be the main priority for 2022. Mm. So it'd be really interesting to actually talk about how that's going um, so far this year. So yeah. And motivation is, is, is going to, is key in retention. So how do you motivate your staff? How do you keep them there? Mm -hmm. How do you know that they're enjoying, you know, what they're doing? How do you stretch? them how do you get high performers yeah. yeah i was reading an article um from executive monthly the other day um and they were actually talking about motivation and as a leader they were actually talking about three things that you can actually think about uh, think about as a leader which isn't money but it's things that you can mm. actually um it's not so much focusing about what you need to bring into the organization mm. but actually looking at what you can take away so one of the things that they talk so the top three things that they talk about is one is rewarding underperformance so mm. leaders letting underperformance keep going the other thing they talk about is leaders being blockers so you know not enabling your staff to be able to do what they do best because you're blocking everything um and the last thing is about about undervaluing employees and not recognizing them. What do you think about that? Yeah, look, I think that's very relevant. And a key to leadership is self-awareness, Yeah, right? Because if you're not self-aware, you could be doing these things without even realizing. Yeah. But if you are self-aware, you can check yourself and perhaps you're open to, to feedback and you're, you're seeing the cues of your team members, of your colleagues around some of your actions. And, you know, I talk about self-awareness because we run a, a number of different assessments. I used to run leadership programs, which is all focused within. Like you've got to have, you know, uh, a level of, of understanding and control internally before you can go and act and be that example that others expect. And I think one of the things that I wrote uh, when we were talking about this podcast is, you know, talk is cheap. So yeah. during the recruitment phase, it's very easy for managers, for employers to say they will do all those things, which is, you know, they only reward high performance. Um, they won't get in the way. The last one was taking people for granted, Yeah. right? People can give lip service. People can yeah. say, no, no, you know, I'll always treasure you. I'll, things happen and then... If it's not in your, your DNA, if it's, if it's not a habit that you practice on a regular basis, it's very easy to say these things and not actually do any of these things. So, um, it, it's important that you lead by example and you practice these habits every day. Yeah. You know, uh, as, as the boss, as the CEO, as the leader of the business, I think most people will respect, um, the boss if they lead from the front. Yeah. I know in some situations you will lead 
from the back and that's because you're letting people grow and 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 learn yeah but generally in terms of the comp- good company culture and talking about those three things that we just discussed you've got to lead from the front yeah right uh, and so let's let's talk about this a little bit more which is the first one um, rewarding incompetence or underperformance yeah so if you're working hard um, day in day out you're super motivated and and you look across the room or you know in today's time you look across the zoom um, screen and you see another person a colleague perhaps who's not performing very well, yeah. yet they are still being rewarded at the same rate that you are. Yeah. Um, they're still getting the same opportunities as you. Perhaps, you know, it's a little bit of you not getting the same opportunities that you thought you, you deserve and you, you do deserve. That demotivates you. Yeah, 100%. Because you're like, man, this, this person's not even working that hard. They're working at 25% the level that I am. Yeah. Why should I go the extra mile? Yeah. And I think this is where – um, individually, you've got to think about the bigger picture, which is, you know, you don't want this person to bring you down to their level, yeah. right? You, you want to be able to do that. And, and from a manager's perspective, you've got to be aware enough to see what is going on because if you are rewarding incompetence, that will zap the energy from other people. Yeah. They'll take it away. Like, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think on the same vein, so it's not just about rewarding incompetence, but it's also not dealing with people who are not performing. Mm. So I think if you're there as a, you know, as a team and you, you, you know that there's some people that are just not performing, that yeah. they're not really in the right role, as a leader who doesn't address that situation, that can be really devaluating for the rest of the team. Yeah. Well, and, and if you think about, you know, I, I won't mention any names, but people who have failed upwards. Yeah. Right? That is just terrible for the morale at the bottom of it. You're thinking, this person doesn't deserve to have that role. How the heck did they get into that? Oh, was it politics? Was it favoritism? Was it bias? So all these questions, um, you know, then undermine the actual promotion system. Yeah. And so you, you know, as as an as a manager or a leader, you don't want to create that that culture, that toxic culture where people are undermining others to get up or they're questioning someone's merit to get up. And yeah. that's because they can see very clear examples of people who have been rewarded by incompetence. Yeah. yeah. So that was the first one. And then I think the second one that we talked about is, um, you know, taking people for granted. Yeah. So yeah. I think in our company we're, we're very people-focused. Um, that's, that's the nature of our work. I think that's just part of our company values. Yeah. Um, so, you know, prior to being verified now as a standalone, that was something that Cogent has always valued. Which is yep. people, and that's what attracted me to the role. So, how do you do this? I mean, how do you make sure that people um, aren't taken for granted? Yeah. Well, what? what, what, no, what do you I think was just actually yeah. just thinking about what we did in our own team meeting the other yeah, day. Yeah. You know, I really liked that. I'm not sure if you want to share that, but actually, you know, getting people to call out some of the highlights and getting them to talk about some of the the achievements that they've had in the the last 12 months. That Mm. really gives everybody a voice and an opportunity to talk about some of the things that they're proud Mm. of Mm. and it gives you an opportunity to sort of sing your your own praises, giving people that opportunity. We were talking just before about the Harvard Business Review, about the three questions that you can ask. Did you want to talk about that now? Because I think that's a really like it's a really practical way of um, valuing employees just by asking three simple questions. Do you and, want and to bring that yeah, up? And I yeah. think you can ask this in 
your performance review. Yeah. You can ask this, you know, as part of your your staff engagement survey. Yeah. Um, so talking about the resignation, um, this is, you know, the HBR article and it's the first one. It's from the editor. Um, headline is an antidote to the great resignation. And, and he said part of the process, you know, to measure how people feel about the organization, whether, whether they're passionate and engaged, he says you've got to ask three questions, yeah. right? The first one is, um, was I excited to work every day last week? Right, I'm not going to ask you that. But um, <laughs> I know the answer is yes, yeah, but, yeah. you know, well, that's the first question. This. Yeah. First question. Second one is, did I have a chance to use my strengths every day? Yeah. And then last one is, at work, do I get a chance to do what I'm good at and something I love? Yeah. Right. I think there are three key questions that every manager or employee's got to ask their people. That's part of the retention process because if people are answering no to all those things, I mean, you've got an issue. And you know, it's likely that that employee is looking elsewhere. Yeah. But I think this goes beyond this period where we've got you know the shortage of skilled workers. I think this is a question that you should be asking on a regular basis. And and if there are gaps, how do you bridge those gaps with your team members? Yeah. It's just three simple questions that I think opens up the conversation. It actually shows that you care about an employee and actually, you know, what their experiences are in the workplace. So it's a really simple yeah. way of um, valuing your employees. And, and valuing people is about time. Yeah, so 100%. It's, it's, it's not just, you know, uh, reward and recognition and, and you can't just pay your way out yeah. of this. Um, it is about spending time, whether it's informal or formal catch-ups, um, but also keeping track of how people are performing and when they are doing well, acknowledging that, yeah, you know, and, and providing feedback when things are going well and not going well as well because people value their own development, Yeah, right? You want to be growing in the role that you're in. I mean, that's something that I've always pushed in all the roles that I've had. Uh, yeah either when I've been managed or when I'm managing people. And, you know, in the last, I think, almost 15 years, I've been managing people. I always say this at the start of the recruitment process, which is, you know, we want to help you grow. We want to be contributors to take you to where you want to be. Yeah. Now, whether you're with us for a short time or a long time, we want to help you develop. Yeah. We will nurture you. We will support you. We'll do what we can to help you get to where you want to go next, wherever that is. Sometimes yeah. people don't know. Sometimes yeah. people do. You know, and I know this is sort of going off track, but that conversation or that line that you just said is really goes a long way in an interview setting as well. So letting people know that, that, you know, you're valuing them for who they are and um, you might come into this organization for a short time yeah. or a long time and, you know, whatever that is, yeah. you're going to you're gonna grow, you're going to learn something yeah. and then you're going to have an extra bag of skills you can add on to your yeah. CV so that you can move yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. And that is a huge motivator for people. Yeah, well, yeah. skills, experience. And, you know, if, if, you're, if you're the employer that genuinely believes in that, I think that will go a long way. If you've got some work on and, and you set that expectation there, but when the person comes in, it's not met, you know, there's going to be some frustration. A hundred percent. You need to be congruent with that. So yeah. it needs to be really, um, yeah, okay. and, and you the need last, to be able to yeah. show that. And so, Zara, the last one that we talked about in terms of this article you mentioned is getting in the way of people doing their jobs. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you do it with the best of intentions um, and sometimes it's it's your own habits. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're the type that's a micromanager, um, you might be doing it for the reasons that you think are good reasons. But if you don't communicate that with with others, I think this is why we do some of the team building and some of the psychometrics we do up front is to discuss leadership um, communication styles so people understand and, and there isn't, 
you know, room for moderation or compromise. But you've got to understand that, you know, you spent the hard effort recruiting someone who is skilled and then you go and like just basically do the job for them. Yeah. Just getting in their way. And it's frustrating, isn't it's it? It's so frustrating. You're 100% right. You've got talented people. You're paying talented people. Yeah. Um, you're growing talented people. Let them do their job. So um, 100% agree and, with that. And this is why it's important to get the recruitment process right. So however you structure that, at the end of the recruitment process, when you've, when you've selected your preferred candidate and you've gone down the path of, you know, employment screening, they're making the offer, you should have absolute confidence that you've picked the right person. Because if you haven't, that's the thing that's going to encourage you to micromanage and double, double check and say, oh, well, I'm not sure if that was the right person or not. So I'm just going to, you know, and there's a difference between mentoring, coaching versus just being in the way or doing it for or, them or, or doing it for yeah. them because or just if because the person you, yeah if you don't feel fulfilled in your role you're like you know I'm not valued here literally someone else is just doing my job I'm just you know keeping a seat warm they're, they're gonna go it's interesting I think a lot of leaders revert to that because they don't trust the situation they don't trust the employee to do that and I think that's you know that's what probably the, the underlying yeah. thing if you don't trust somebody to do it you jump in and do it for them so creating that trust mm. up front is you know is key yeah. and we also talk about this um about the overextended persona yeah which is you know certain qualities morphing when you're under stress yeah and you know the the best leaders um, any leader everyone's got overextensions but if your overextension happens to be you know controlling um micromanagement uh lots of stress everyone feels that right look there is a way to to get beyond that and that is to have that self-awareness yeah, so what you, you know when it's happening um, but also having the trust within the team so the team can call it out when it's happening and offer you some support. Yeah. I think that's really important because leadership, you know, it can sometimes be be a lonely role but it doesn't need to be, right? You can you can share that burden with other people yeah. and if you built the right team, um, you should be able to do this. And so that, that was the third point that we talked about which is getting in the way of people doing their jobs. I mean, if you are getting in the way – I mean, you seriously need to question what your role is and, and the role of this person. I mean, yeah. do you need this person in the role? Are they better some, somewhere else? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Kai, the other article I was reading was from Cert Simple and they were talking about how to motivate without, you know, resorting to, to money as well. And one of the key things they spoke about was um, was motivating people through training and development. But what do you think about that? And, you know, what have your experiences yeah. been around that? Well, I think firstly, you know, the, the payment, the salary, the compensation package has to be fair. Yeah. I think you've got to have that. You In this market um, and with the growing expectations and, mind you, realistic expectations of employees, you should be paying a fair wage. You yeah. should be paying a fair salary, right? So let's let's already agree on that. From a training side, it's more than just about the course. It's about, it's about the path that you're, you've agreed with, you've worked with the employee to put them on. Yeah. Right? Is this the journey that they want to go on? Where do they want to go in their career? You've got to ask these questions, I think, early on as part of the recruitment process. Yeah. Um, because if there is alignment there, if it's if it's within your grasp and it's realistic for you to provide that support and that training so the person can go where they want to go, yeah. whether that's sideways, whether that's up, whether that's a different um, role altogether, you've got to be able to provide that path. And it's got to be mutually agreed to yeah right um and i think that motivates people because that is around supporting 
gross. Yeah. But how do you feel about like having people that don't know exactly what they are doing and yeah. that you know that you're going to have to train them and develop them? How does that make you feel as a leader? That's fine. I mean, that is part of, of leadership, right? Yeah. That's part of good management is you've got to train and support people. And at the same time, I mean, as a leader, you should be looking at your own training and support too. Like what development, what professional development do you need to grow yeah. and to fill the role? And so you can support provide the level of support that your team needs, but also importantly, what your business needs, Yeah. right? So if you're not looking after yourself, and I think this is where I said talk is cheap, right? Actions speak louder than words. You've got to be able to back it up. Like for me this year, you know, I did the Australian Institute of Company Directors course. Yeah. I felt it was the right time for me to learn um, those things and be exposed to that part of my role. And it's been great, you know, really opened up my eyes. And I think, well, what else can I do for people? I mean, if the person has a very good idea, then that's great. If the person doesn't really know, um, and, you know, I've had this with people yeah. um, that I've employed, they haven't known. And the main reason that they didn't know is because they've never been asked. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it depends Asking on, it depends on the role. It's such a simple thing to do, isn't yeah. it? It's they said, not, they said it's Kai, not literally, science. I don't know what to say because I've never been asked what I want to do, where I want to go, what I want to learn. Yeah, okay. I've never been asked that. And so when you have employees that have never had that mindset, I mean, you've got to be cognitive of that. You can't just assume everyone's, you know, really self-confident, um, has been in all these positions where, you know, they get treated well above and beyond um, what a normal person gets treated. I mean, we like to treat our, our staff really well. I like to treat people well generally because it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it makes life a lot easier. So... Training and development, I think, absolutely key, but it's got to work for the person. Because yeah. if it doesn't work for the person, then, you know, you could be throwing all sorts of courses, but it's not going to keep people there. Yeah. Um, among, among, you know, my network and people I've spoken to, people do courses that um, the company supports. And the craziest thing is as soon as that course is done, they've gone elsewhere. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that as well. Yeah. You know, with, with, you know, friends or people that you know. Yeah. But I also think like doing courses is only 10% of learning and development. If you look at the sort of 70, 20, 10 model, mm. they say the most amount of training and development is done on the job. Mm. 20% is done through mentorship and 10% is through courses mm. and training. Like what are some of the training development opportunities, you know, have you been able to come up with that sort of fit that 70% of the job, which is like on well, the job? Like how can you, like how can you start a conversation yeah. about that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, you know, last year on our podcast, we had Julie Bertels yeah. um, from Beyond Excellence talk about it. And it's about creating these stretch experiences. Yeah. So, you know, there are people who might want to learn a bit more about X role. How do you give them exposure to that? They're still doing their role, yeah. but you might give a few projects, you might give a few tasks that will give them exposure and it tests the water if they like it or not. Yeah. And it will be beyond maybe what their current skill level is, but that stretch experience allows them to level up. Yeah. Because if you don't do things you've never done before, you're not going to be able to do them ever, yeah. right? Um, so that's that's what it's about, you know, seeing, okay, is there alignment? Is there opportunity for this person? Cool, there's a bit of a gap or, you know, in my case, um, at the moment, there's a few things that I could do, but I'm like, hang on a second. I think this person could do it. This person should try it because if they can do it, not only does it make my life easier, but it actually allows them to develop their skills as well. Yeah. It is a win-win situation. Yeah. 100%. So you've got to look at that, you know, from a leadership and a management level. Um, some people might be looking at it at, from a business continuity or succession planning. All of those things 
should be factored in. Yeah. Create that experience. Yeah. Your point earlier about with people leaving once they've done the qualification is that a good thing or a bad thing because you've been able to keep them for during the duration of the yeah. course so you've been able to keep them for that amount of time um, or do you think that you've invested this in them mm. and then they've gone somewhere else so I think there's yeah. two ways of thinking about it it's yeah. almost to your point earlier where you say you know you come and join us we may not be everything that you need for five years time but we're going to give you this skill yeah. set so that when you go to your next well, role so that's I mean I think there's two ways of thinking about it because you're you're motivating people beyond pay yeah. and providing them with the time and the qualification is something that can be a stepping stone for what they need to later yeah. on and if they do leave then at least you've kept them for that duration yeah. and and that depends on your position and what yeah what you've agreed to prior to that if you've agreed you know to to back them support them in this course yeah they've said you know it's going to extend their tenure and then they leave yeah obviously I mean, there'll be disappointment yeah right but um, if your mindset is, look, we're going to support you irrespective, this is a great thing for you. Obviously, from a business perspective, you want to make sure that there's some return. Yeah. Right? So, you've just got to discuss that up front. And, and I'm sure most people will have an inkling of what's going on because you have your, your catch-ups and you have your performance reviews. You should know this, this course is related to their current role or this course is just, you know, your last – chance of desperation of trying to keep them in the role yeah and even afterwards they're still leaving that's because some people have already made up their minds and you know it goes back to some of those other things we talked about i mean if some leaders or managers are practicing some of those bad habits i mean you can give me the best course in the world and i will still leave yeah so, Kai, I was looking at a survey the other day um, of senior HR decision makers um, and leaders and what they were talking about is that the number one priority for employees is culture. Um, I found this as well during my recruitment. Every, you know, the number one question I get from candidates is tell me about the, the culture. Um, so that's, you know, to me that's a key driver in motivating people. What, what are your views on that? People want to work in a place that they're proud of, uh, where they feel welcomed, and there's a there's a sense of belonging. Yeah, you know it's got to speak to your own culture. Everyone talks about you know having the right culture fit. Yeah. So um, talking about this, uh, I want to ask you a question. I know yeah. you just asked me a question. Yeah. But, but you know, I I read an article related to to talking about culture and you know the ability to speak openly and have fair pay. Um, these are all the things that employees want, right? Yeah. These are things that people want not even i'm not even talking about just at the employee level so there's this article from the australia center for business growth it's from the university of south australia and um through their research they found four things that awesome people look for when looking for a new job yeah four things right um they talk about the company's mission yeah so i guess the ability to relate to it they talk about whether their manager will help them develop professionally and personally. Yeah. So this is about, you know, the growth opportunities we were talking about. Um, their co-workers. Yeah. So no one wants to work with, you know, just toxic co-workers. Yeah. Um, you're spending at least 40 hours a week for those that are in full-time roles. And then the last one is the compensation package. Yeah. Interestingly, in this, they'll say, if you don't get the first three right, like it doesn't gel with you. Yeah. Then you need the compensation package to be much greater yeah to obviously offset for the lack of those other things yeah um and you know some people are in the position to do that they're like you know i don't care about the mission don't really care about the people don't really care about my growth i need the pay packet that's fair enough whilst there are others who say look i just need fair pay but these three things 
value more to me. So Zara, you know, you run our recruitment service. What's what's your what's your view on this? Yeah, it's interesting. I think with the pay point that you just mentioned earlier, I think if the pay compensation pay is excellent and it's above rate, I think if you don't have the, the first three things there, the pay is only going to give you a short-term reward. So someone will come into the business, they'll be happy with the pay, but if the cultures or the mission, there's no alignment, there's no alignment with leadership and there's no alignment with co-workers, people are just going to stay for a short amount of time. So mm-hmm. pay is, is a driver, but it's not the the way to get people to stay long-term. Um, if I think about the four categories that you just spoke about, for me, what resonates the most is the leader Mm. um you know i was recently uh, my husband was recently looking for a role and we were you know we sat down and we worked out what was going to be the most important thing for him when interviewing and what to pick and Mm. he said i'm going to pick the the leader that i resonate with the most because the leader is the one that's going to help me progress it's going to be the one that gives me opportunities um so the leadership for him was the main thing um that he that that he looked for during the recruitment process yeah so let's for people who are want to toe that same line yeah i mean what are some good questions to ask to to ensure that there is a good fit yeah, I think um, for for a candidate perspective, yeah. I think some of the questions you can ask is tell me about your your leadership style. Um, you can even say, can you give me an example? There's no harm in a candidate asking for an example. Can you give me an example where you've helped um, an employee of yours grow? Can mm. you give me an example where you've promoted employees? Yeah, yeah. Um, so those are the questions that you can really ask. Um, candidates at the moment are really making judgment calls about whether they want to take that next step in to an organization so they're judging they're making you know they're making their minds up just as much as managers or hiring managers are during an interview process and look that's why i think it's great for people to have multiple interviews or conversations yeah so you get a sense of what someone's like but if the person happens to be active online they either write articles or they do speaking gigs or something i think that helps uncover their leadership style as well and who they are as a person um, but, you know, I, I would hate for someone to, to pick because of a leader or like one leader as they get in that person leaves. Yeah. I mean, that would just, you know, not be fun if, if that was one of your main drivers. I think that's why they picked It's really interesting. Things. It's very common. I think it's happened to me in a few different roles yeah. I've joined. I've joined and literally within the first month, the person who hired me has decided to leave. It's happened to me a few times. Yeah. So it is not uncommon, but it can be the biggest demotivator yeah. when you step into a new business is you've picked a leader and then they've decided to move on. Well, hopefully the replacement that <laughs> is, is equally as good, if not better. Yeah. Um, then, then that's like, cool, it all works out for, for a reason. So just going back to, to the article you mentioned, the other thing they talked about is, you know, can you speak openly in this culture? Yeah. Right? And season one, episode one, we had Sarit Vandegraaff um, on our that's show right. talking about psychological that safety. That was such a great yeah, episode. It was, it was an amazing episode. I can't believe how, how quickly that flew by. But I was just recapping, you know, so in, in Sarit's word, creating psychological safety within your organization fosters a shared belief that tem- team members feel safe to take risks because they know that they won't be punished or embarrassed for owning their mistakes, sharing ideas and asking questions. I think that is key in any workforce today. You know, if you are looking to to, to grow particularly, I think you need to have that psychological safety, that culture where you can ask questions, right? If 
if you've been in any workplace where you're not allowed to ask any questions because or you're fearful like yeah, yeah I mean, or, or if you're fearful of repercussion yeah or this is how it's always been done yeah um, exactly you can't challenge the status quo you're fearful yeah. um 100% that psychological safety goes the longest you know it goes the longest way yeah and i think for organizations that are looking to adapt and improve because there are always challenges right and and right now in in the world there's a lot of uncertainty and i think to overcome or be in the best position to manage that uncertainty you've got to have the right people asking these questions because if you just do business as usual you'll have blind spots left right and center yeah right so you've got to have this culture where you can ask questions you can fail you can experiment and do new things i mean that's something that i was thinking about just the other day um where i think we should put in our performance reviews asking our team members you know in the last 12 months what's something that you failed in and, and what did you learn yeah because we ask about the successes right yeah but we don't talk about the failures as much and yeah. it's okay to fail i mean yeah. when i ask that question for myself i'm like wow i have had a number of failures you know um nothing catastrophic but certainly values that i didn't like but i I absolutely learned from them. Yeah, I think that's really key. I always talk about leadership as well and that leaders are allowed to fail and it's not about failing, but it's about the steps that you take afterwards. So being able to recognize what you've learned, being insightful in terms of some of the behaviors that you've that you've experienced mm. as well, but it's about how you pick yourself up afterwards and then apply it to your, to, to that next yeah. task or that next thing that you need to tackle. Yeah, cuz failure can create resilience. You're correct. If if done right, uh, and if you apply those lessons, it does create resilience, not only for the person, but for the team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the only other thing I was going to add, I was just reading that a lot of people are scared of failure mm. because that mm. imposter syndrome comes in. So people, once they mm. failed, they think that, oh my God, everyone's going to mm. think differently yeah. of me. People are going to think about that I can't do the job. I don't think that's the case at all. I think mm. if you if you can show that you failed, you can show vulnerability, but then how you deal with that situation and how you move on from it is what the real testament yeah. is as a leader or as an employee. And yeah. again, and again, you know, leaders, managers have to lead by example. 100%. Right? Because if yeah. you say it's okay to ask questions, it's okay to fail, and then when it does happen, you know, people are persecuted, people are, you know, reprimanded, um, you know, embarrassed, whatever it is, they're not going to do it again. So you've yeah. got to create this culture of openness. You've got to have the open communication. You've got to create the space for people to ask these questions. Maybe the ones who are quietest in the rooms have the greatest insights yeah. on this particular problem. Yeah. You know, and you, you've got to be able to give people that space. So I think psychological safety is key um, to having a good culture. Um, it's key to survival, but it's also key to a business thriving and adapting with the times. So if you need, you know, if, if you need to learn more about it, jump on our website, um, read the, the article from Sarit Vandegraaff. I mean, it was very insightful. Or you can listen to the podcast episode once again. As I guess as a leader of our business, um, how have you used employment screening to create, I guess, a high trust environment, but then also create a high performing team? You know, what value have you seen um, from, you know, from your own personal experiences and the team that we've created with Verify Now? Yeah. Well, for us, it's a bit unique because, you know, we have the platform, we yeah. run the platform, we run this service. And I'm a big believer in, you know, you've got to use your own products. Yeah. Right. Because if you use your own products, you you know what works, you know what needs improvement, and you can make changes to it. Um, for us, I guess the history of us using background screening, it's because we work in a secure environment. We we've had some you know mandated 
um, contractual requirements for us to do this as part of our, our work with Cogent in the security space. Um, and so we inherited some of these requirements, right? But we went um, beyond. We adapted a few things to make it fit for us. I mean, the first thing is we restructured how we did the interview process. We wanted to make sure that there were multiple stages, there were earlier conversations to really get to know people. We reframed our questions in terms of less about skills because we can do that through the skills assessment and more around, you know, um, cultural fit but also aspirations and attitudes. Um, and then we put in the background screening is to validate those things. Yeah. You know, so, so when someone says they've got these qualifications, it's to validate that. Um when it's employment history, it's to validate that they've had those roles in the time, in the capacity that they've claimed they had. And how I see it as benefiting not only our business but other businesses too is it gives us the confidence that this person is everything they've claimed to be. Yeah. And we can give them the keys to the kingdom as they enter. Some employers may think <clears throat> employment screening is a barrier, is not a good experience um but i don't feel it that way and i think a lot of our clients will, will say the same thing i think all of our clients will say the same thing going through our process gives them confidence yeah and on the flip side I, you know i've heard this anecdotally from from our employees but also our clients employees having employment screening shows the employee that you care shows that you are willing to invest in the team fit right and you're ensuring that everyone that comes on the team is appropriately qualified experienced and will contribute to the team in a positive manner so when you've got someone coming in you're not second guessing them you're like nope they've gone through the same process that i've gone through it's a rigorous process um we're looking after quality we're trying to get quality if they don't meet it they wouldn't have got through the process so that gives your your team members the confidence that this person's also good. And so your team then gives this person rope, right? Rather than them coming in and saying, mm, that doesn't look right. I don't reckon they can do this and undermined every step of the way. I mean, that kills the experience. That yeah. kills your new employee experience yeah. from an onboarding perspective. But that can also create like a toxic culture, yeah. right? If you've got people consistently undermining, employing appropriate recruitment processes and background screening should help alleviate those, should yeah. put your, your team at a good level, a base level of trust where they can get in, do the job, get to know each other, you know, at a personal level, but with the confidence that this person has the right skills, right experience, and they're going to be a net contributor. Yeah. That's yeah. what you want. You know, when I first came into the business, Kai, one of the things that I was really, um, I think was revolutionary for me was when we started doing reference checks. And for our own team, I remember you said, I don't use reference checks to make a decision of whether we hire somebody or not. I've already made up my mind yeah. and their experiences in the past. My view on reference checks is how do I take the employee to the next level. I know what's and all about how they've performed previously mm. and I need to know how I can develop them, stretch them um, and keep motivating them. So I really liked how we use references. It's yeah. not about making decisions. It's actually about knowing everything about the employee and so that we can grow them and stretch them and bring out the best of them yeah. in, in, in our team. Because hopefully through your thorough recruitment process, you know that they're the right fit. Now yeah. you're just trying to say, well, how can I help this person more? Yeah. How can I help them grow? And, you know, that is the, the thing that, um, you know, I, I've done with, with all of our team members is we get the reference checks in, but 
I look at the reference and I go, okay, what are the points of interest? What are the points of concern? Points of interest, how can I grow the person? You know, points of concern, okay, maybe there's a few areas that need development. Why? Yeah. And how? How can I help the person? And there's great insights from the previous supervisors or managers. Yeah. You know, they will give you insights at the level that you're looking for. Obviously, you communicate these things with your team member too because it's a collaborative effort, right? Um, but using the information to then accelerate the person's learning journey or onboarding journey. And that's why I think employment screening works for the recruitment process is it, it helps. It becomes an enabler yeah. basically for, for trust building um, rather than, you know, oh, it's going to take too long. I mean, our goal at the moment is to reduce those turnaround times so people can make those hiring decisions quicker. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay, so I guess we're heading to the end of this episode yeah. and it's a little bit different because it's a Verify Now episode. Normally, I'm the one asking these questions of our guests. Zara, you've already been a guest on the show and you've already done the Fast Five. This season, we've had a bit of a refresher on some of our questions. And so, I'm going to hand over this iPad to you to ask me these questions. Oh, okay. And it's the first time that I've had to respond. Okay. So, you know, it's an exclusive Oh, thing. it's an exclusive. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. So, you're going to do the Fast Five. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, let's, All let's, right. let's make it happen. Are you ready to roll? Yep. Okay, Kai, what was your first job and why did you get it? Okay, so my first job was working at a fish and chip shop in Parramatta, Westfield. And the reason why I got the job was um, in three months' time, I had my year 10 formal. Um, coming from the background that I came from, I didn't own a suit. I didn't have the money to buy a suit. So, I got a job selling fish and chips and... Um, that the rest is history. And what's something that's interesting that's not on your CV? Well, for those that know me, they'll probably know this, um, but I generally I don't put on my CV, but I used to be a performer. I used to be a breakdancer and I actually attribute uh, a lot of my public communication, team management down to those experiences. Through breakdancing, I learned a lot of things. Like I call it breaking usually. I wouldn't normally say breakdancing, but I learned so many things from it and it opened so many doors for me. So I'm forever grateful. Can I still do it? I know you're thinking that. I was going to ask I know that. You're like, that. When's the episode where we get a demo? No, look, look, I can still do it. Not at the level that I used to do it okay. when I was a teenager. So I can't ask you to spin on your head here. No, or no, no. Like I think, that. I think, okay. I think um, that will cut the episode short if I, if I try to do that. But, <laughs> okay. but that is something that's on my, uh, not on my CV. And what's something you learned about leadership and working on a team that you would want to teach your younger self? For me, uh, I think it would be listening um, and, and just giving people that space to walk into, to either ask a question or to make a comment. Um, I'm extroverted by, by, by nature. And so often I'm, you know, jumping in and, and, and speaking and not being patient enough to give people the time to respond. Um, you know, I was very quick to judge, I guess, when I was younger, thinking, oh, well, this person's not smart enough and not, you know, quick enough. That's why they're quiet. When in reality, they might have amazing insights and their style of communication is to take a step back, absorb it, and then step forward. So, for me, it's about creating that space for people to step forward and also being comfortable with silence while people take that time. Provide a highlight from working in a trusted team. Wow. Uh, look, I've had a few. Um, I've had a number. So, it's hard to pick just one. But I think if I had to really think of a standout moment, um, because I think it all, it's encapsulated in this particular moment. So, we were delivering the second um, dialogue for the Australia-Vietnam Leadership Dialogue. It was the first time that we had actually run it in Vietnam. Um, 
so my team and I, it was a remote team. We had people across Australia and Vietnam, never met in person, right? But we'd been working on this project for the last year and <clears throat> we're in this um, hotel room in Hanoi together. We've flown everyone together. There was, you know, almost 15 of us. And these are volunteers. Everyone has volunteered their time over the last year to plan this leadership project. And the amount of joy, trust, and just respect for ev everyone in that room, because it was our first time together and we were just sharing some insights and we were asking questions like, you know, what are you looking forward to? What are you grateful for? And everyone's like, you know, I'm just so grateful that I could be part of this team building this project together. And now we're in person in this room together, just having some food and just chatting. And I just remember that feeling of, you know, there is so much trust in this. I've got your back. I know everyone's got my back. And that week went by so quickly, but it was an amazing experience. And I'll never forget it because, I mean, fortunately, we've captured it in photos too. And, and I'm still friends with everyone from that group. It's really, yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. It's really interesting. We use the word trust and there's such a correlation between creating a trusted team and creating a high-performing team just by hearing you talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what would you like your legacy to be? That's a deep question, right? When I, when I think about Verify Now, um, there's a few tangents I can go on. When I think about me as a person, life, I think, I think it's about creating fun um, but I also like connecting people. I like creating opportunities for people um, to be to be what they are. Um, you know, I don't like wasted potential. So if there is capacity for me to help bring others up, I think that's been my my history um, or my legacy is bringing people up, whether that's you know through economic means or through education means or through other opportunities. I think. That's, that's what I want my legacy to be. So I always try to have an impact through whatever role I have, whether it's for commercial or non-commercial reasons. All right. Well, you've, you've answered the, the fast five. Phew, yeah. You're done. <laughs> Thank you. And, and look, now I know what's, um, what's in store for the rest of our guests yeah. asking these questions. But Zara, thanks for, for coming on the show oh, and, and you know, um, talking with me and, and, and just sharing some of your insights. It's been really interesting. I think this is something that we want to do a little bit more this year is to – you know, produce a little bit more content um, for our audience and also for our, our clients and customers just to see where they can improve, um, provide tips that will help them manage their people and hopefully from a leadership perspective, inspire others to, to lead, to lead well. So thank you no and uh, I'll, I'll catch you next time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening today. We had Zara and myself on the show talking about the great resignation and what employers can do to retain their quality staff. Did you like the topic that we discussed today? Are there any topics that you're interested in? If you'd like to know more, reach out. You can connect with Zara and myself on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to the HR Think Tank with Kai Noon. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share our podcast with your network. Check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in today's episode or visit the Verify Now website for more information.